I have a question for you, Matt. Does emotion matter? And if emotion matters, how? Ever wish life had a... <clears throat> ever wish life had an undo... Ever wish life had an undo button? With over 30 years experience in the creative industry, Matt and Dylan spill their secrets and share their insights about business and design. All to try to save you an undo. This is the Command Z Show, presented by Made by Things and Mingus Design. Hey, Dylan. Hi, Matt. Hey, what are you, what are you working on? I'm working on some stuff for Middle West Spirits this week, which has me up at 4 o'clock in the morning to project and letter one of their walls at their new not-so-secret-anymore location. Damn. You always do that. You seem to always... Is, maybe it's just me. Or you're always up at late, up pretty late doing these early, things. Early, early. Is that true? Or? Uh, early. Oh, sorry, sorry. Early. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a late... I'm not a night owl. I really admire yeah. people who are not me. I love getting up early when the world is asleep. Makes yep. me happy. No, I... Basically, I can't work past... I don't know. It's probably 9 or 10 at night. At that point, it's just like nothing Nothing good ever really comes of it. Yeah. Nothing it's good like, comes after midnight or probably before. Yeah. <laughs> nothing Nothing yeah. creative happens after after 10 for me. Yeah. What are you working on? Oh, um, we're working on... Um, you know, we're trying to... We're doing our first live action video. Like... I mean, we've done like live action pieces before, but we're mostly animation. And um, yeah, we have this project where we're kind of trying to dive a little bit more into that world of live action and trying to work with some good partners that, I don't know, it's it's just a completely different feel altogether. It like feels much more like planning an event because like you have the shoot, you have all these people that need to be there. Whereas like with animation, we don't really mm. need to take other people into account or feed them lunch or anything <laughs> it's just it's a completely different experience altogether so we've been we've been trying to navigate that the last week and that's it's fun but you can always set up your own craft services you know just to make it fun right i'm sure your folks yeah. would love that over at made by things like they walk in one day and matt's got this total craft services thing set up maybe even a food <laughs> truck outside who knows it's funny that you say that this is like someday or another i'm gonna have a food truck I don't know. It's not going to be today. not going to be tomorrow. But someday. And my wife hates that. She's always like, you don't, you're all over the place. I'm like, I don't know. It's just kind of who I am. I've, oh, you're going to, you're going to start a food truck. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you we'll said you were going to, I thought you were saying you were going to have a food truck pull up to your place. Oh, no. And the food truck's no. going to be like, okay. And then you're, then you're going to tell them, hey, I've got five people that are going to give you business for the next eight <laughs> hours. And then they're going to drive away. <laughs> I've basically done that before. I mean, planning, making Midwest, we've had food trucks come before and we're, they're always like, how many people are going to show up? And I'm like, I don't know. However many people feel like it, I guess. That's not really the answer like they want. No, no, right. no, no, it's not. So then I'm like, maybe 70 and then like four people roll up and I'm like, shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's like, I don't, you can't predict that stuff. Anyway. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'm working on. All right. <laughs> Well, I have a question for you, Matt. And Let's hear it. before I ask the question, I have to set this up a little bit for our listeners and really the context for you and I to, to talk about this. And here's the setup. You and I work in a space where if we're doing our jobs well, we have to 
measure the things that we're doing in some way. And so that, not to talk too long about this, but in the business of design, if we're being responsible to our clients, we have to set up expectations and we have to set up communication objectives. Maybe it's in the form of a creative brief or some kind of documentation that confirms this is the thing that we're pursuing and these are the the ways we're going to measure that pursuit and maybe even measure some of the outcomes. So all to say, there's a lot of measurement and calculation and design practice, all really kind of scientific-like things that help us ground the work that we're doing for people so that, to be blunt, on one hand, it makes it easier for them to part with their money because they know they're getting something for their money and not just, I made this cool thing, because that means nothing, frankly. so a lot of measurement and, and calculation and application of things that have been proven over time to deliver certain things, sound, motion, all the stuff that you and I do. With that, I have a question for you, Matt. Does emotion matter? And if emotion matters, how? Wow, that was a good setup. I we're going to talk already, about we're going to talk about our feelings a, today, Matt. I took I took a bunch of notes. I thought you were going to ask me about like how do you measure success in a project. Nah. I thought that's where you're going with it. Um, do feelings matter? Nothing more than feelings. <laughs> uh, the answer is a resounding yes, right? So I'm going to kind of talk a little bit to your your setup before I kind of go into this feelings go into my feelings. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, whenever I got my first job, even like second job when I was working in Los Angeles, um, you know, I was working, working on some like bigger commercials, music videos, some independent films and stuff. And um, one of the things that I never liked about it was that nobody ever measured that success. Nobody ever seem to care about like oh does is this actually working for a client like we're just we're making stuff that just looks pretty right and that that bothered me that bothered me a lot for some reason because i was like oh because we did so many things that i'm like this is not going to be effective at all like this is not going to be successful this is just another piece of noise in the world and um you know, whenever I moved to Columbus, it was, okay, I want to start my own company and I want it to be, I want there to be more measuring involved to, to be able to see like, how are we actually helping people and are we helping people? And there was a good amount of time where I was very focused on the math. Those first few years, especially, because I was like, okay, that's that's our differentiator is that we're going to pay attention to the numbers. We're going to pay attention to the analytics, see what's happening and figure out how to make things better. And it's something that I, I, I still believe in it today. But I don't know, over the last, I'd say, year or two, it's it's I've come to this realization that. I don't know, there, there is the, the qualitative measuring and then there's the quantitative. I think that's right quantitative and qualitative mm-hmm. yeah and you know on the one side we are math heavy but then on the other side it's like well what about the things that you can't measure like feelings and it's like wow there there is a lot of value to that but we can't necessarily explain that value to people 
you can't just say, well, it's going to make people happier. And that's a good thing because people want to, you know, anytime they're going to spend a lot of money on something, they want to make sure that they're not taking a huge risk. That's right. Um, I mean, inherently what we do is, is an, is an, an investment for companies, right? And any investment comes with some risk. The bigger the risk, risk, the bigger the potential reward. So I guess for me, I was always trying to reduce that risk. Like, how do I make it so that there's like zero risk involved in working with us? Um, and I don't know, I guess I just, I came to the conclusion that you can't control all of those little things, right? Like you can't, you don't know, like, it, you know, we talk about it even with this podcast. It's like, okay, well, what day do we release it? What time? What about social media? Like, how do you do that stuff? It's like, well, you can try to time everything perfectly. You can make the best decision you can based on the analytics, but ultimately it comes down to, I mean, with any piece of content that we make, it comes down to, okay, how does it make people feel? Cause that's ultimately what leads to the best results anyway. If people really love it, then they're going to keep sharing it. It doesn't matter what time of day you post it, as long as it's something good and uh, something that people can resonate with in some way. It doesn't, I don't know, it, it transcends analytics, basically. And again, I'm not trying to say that analytics aren't important at this point, but what I would say is focusing more on the story element of things that that we all make, I think is way more important to our clients and to the world that we live in right now. Um, more so, again, more so than just, you know, trying to, I don't know, trying to be really, really math heavy. It's like, the, it's this idea of like Moneyball, right? Um, have you seen Moneyball? Yeah, yeah, great movie. So, and like, it's the, this concept in baseball where, well, it started in baseball anyway, where, you know, not all these teams can afford all these players, but if you focus a little bit more on, you know, what you expect to get for that money rather than just trying to build a team with the best players, it, you know, it actually you know, can work out really well if you just kind of focus a little bit more on the analytics. So that's kind of like how it all got started. It kind of spread through all sports now. So all the markets that can't afford to compete with the Yankees as far as like money goes, um, they use some some form of money ball today. Um, and um, I don't know, I, I, we, can, we can try to do that with what we do. We can say like, okay, well, we can develop this and this with this much money. And I think that that's okay, but ultimately it's like, you know, creating the kind of stuff again, that, that people want to consume. And right now they don't want to consume, you know, boring ads. They don't want to consume banner ads, especially they don't want commercials in between the thing that they're trying to watch. Mm -hmm. They don't want to select an ad as when they're watching Hulu, they don't want to choose their ad experience. They don't want an ad experience. They want content. They want stuff that they actually like and enjoy. And a lot of companies right now, they have an opportunity to communicate differently than everyone else. And not many of them are taking it, but why, why do you think they're not taking it? Cause they're, cause they're focused on the analytics. They're focused on, well, 
I don't know, like, let's just kind of, let's just buy the Super Bowl ad for five, seven million dollars, whatever it is, because it gets a lot of eyeballs. That's, that's their metric. That's their math is, okay, well, we just need to get it in front of a bunch of people. And it's, it's not the worst strategy in the world, but I think that there's a lot of better strategies in the world that could actually be way more cost effective in the end, if it just focused more on story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the people out there that do, they combine Super Bowl ads with story. Yeah. Um, Chrysler did this thing. It did a commercial a while back. Um, I, I don't know. It's not a commercial that mo- most people remember. But for me, I was like, whoa. So Chrysler went dead and then they they came back with the new Cadillac or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I don't. This must have been 10 years ago, maybe a bit more, maybe 15. I don't know. But they had this commercial that like featured Eminem on it, and it was like just him talking about like Detroit, and yeah. um, I was like, hell yeah, like this is this is it, like this is, I don't know, it was it was really inspiring, and I've never forgotten that ad. It didn't matter that that was on during the Super Bowl for me anyway. I would have remembered it no matter where I saw it, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's I don't know. There there's certainly value behind getting in front of a bunch of people and sharing your message with everyone. But I think that there's something even greater to just focusing on telling good stories that make people feel things um, wherever they're at, right? Even if it's to a crowd of 20 people as opposed to, you know, <laughs> 100 million, whatever. Um, I don't know. There, there, There's something there that, I don't know. Yeah. So... To capture that thought, if you're cre- if you're telling a story well, you do affect uh, a positive outcome. Good analytics; it gets shared a million times, that, yeah. you know, hundred thousand views on YouTube in one hour or whatever, right? So, um, so, uh, and I think it's safe to say because you're you're an animator and I'm not, but it's safe to say that a story told well has. Uh, it does have rules around it. I guess to go, going back to what you said, you know, and talking about how just telling a good story is more important than, than overanalyzing something. I guess what I'm trying to say is when I think about good storytellers, I think about people like who I know locally, like Artie Isaac, uh, who I'd love to have on the podcast because Artie's just a great guy to talk to. He's wise and funny. And um, uh, so Artie's also a good storyteller. And one of the things he said years ago when I worked for him, when he had the office downtown at Young Isaac, was he was talking about how timing is so critical for storytellers and comedians. And I'd never heard anybody talk about that before. So to state the obvious, maybe not so obvious, when someone tells a story, if they're they're unable to understand the value of timing, knowing when to pause and slow down, and hold for that moment, or speed up, or whatever it is, then you can ruin a perfectly good story. And I'll be yeah. the first to admit, I'm not a great storyteller. I'm, I'm trying to learn, the older I get, the value of knowing when to pause and slow down a bit, because my wife has said for a long time, you talk way too fast. And she's right. I listen back to some old podcasts and other things, and I think, my gosh, I'm a monster. You know, what am I? Tr- what am I trying to do? Win a speed record? So, uh, anyway, uh, I guess 
what I'm trying to say is there, there's a lot of timing is math. And, and, uh, and so there's a lot of rules that get applied to good storytelling that when done well, it's kind of like great typography. You know, they say great typography is never noticed. I would argue the same for great storytellers. You're not thinking about the math of how they're performing and, and those, those uh, places where they know to slow down, to emphasize something. You're just sucked into a great story. And if it's animation like you do, you know, your, your job is to know when to, when to have those moments to slow it down a notch and then when to ramp it up and, and find the balance of all of those things. That's very much analytics and math and calculations and blah, 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 right? All that stuff is happening. Um, and again, if we do it well, the viewer doesn't care. They're just in. Yeah. And that's what we want. Yeah. There's, there's so many times... I guess for me personally, math makes sense. I, I don't understand like being creative, right? Like just the, the blank canvas, just being creative in an open world, whatever. It, it's never made sense to me. Honestly, I feel like that's something that you do really well is like, you know, on the spot, you could just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to start doing this and then it's going to turn into this crazy thing. For me, that's not, I don't know. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but like for me, that's not how it works. I always need reason. I need, I need some kind of reason to, to be involved. And sometimes that is math, like it, at every single step. So even, I don't know, like whenever I'm trying to put structures together for a story, like I want to try to understand like, okay, first we do this, second we do that, third we do this. Like I need those formulas basically. And okay. I'm not necessarily talking, I guess when I'm saying math, I'm not necessarily talking like straight numbers. I'm just talking like formulas, I guess. So I'm always looking for formulas, always trying to create them, especially like with a process in my business. It's like, okay, as long as we follow these general guidelines, but know that we can, you know, move around a lot creatively inside them, you know, developing frameworks for every single part of every process that we have. And it's all documented for everyone on the team, right? Mm -hmm. um, for me as a business owner, that's what I feel like my most important role is at this point. But even when it comes to any time that I get into illustrating or animating anything, I still, I, I do keep an eye on that math. And I guess I'm talking more literal math at this point. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that I make is pretty geometric. And it's like that because geometry makes sense to me. Like these perfect shapes, perspective makes sense to me. Um, whenever I, whenever I'm animating, like nobody, nobody ever knows this, but like if I'm animating something, I'm like, okay, we're developing a, a, a motion brand to a certain video, meaning that like, okay, certain motions will happen over certain amount of frames. So it's like, okay, so like I'll focus on like, okay, 12 frames, 24 frames, 48 frames. And it's like, okay, so we're going to try to use one of those three movements with the things that we, we do for a certain piece, right? This isn't everything that we do, but a lot of stuff that I do, I try to think of it this way where it's, it's sort of developing these sort of guidelines. I'm probably losing a lot of people here, but <laughs> it's, it's developing that framework again. So it's like, okay, well, I know that as long as we stick to these numbers, it's going to develop this natural rhythm Okay. that, it's a rhythm that I don't know. You can't. 
um, I don't know, it's, it's a rhythm that you can't necessarily plan for. It's one that you just kind of, you, you trust. You, you have these numbers in mind and you're like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. You know, this frame lasted for four seconds. I'm going to try to do four, 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 two, eight. Like it's, it's sort of thinking of it almost like a symphony of some kind, right? Yeah. It's like iambic, uh, iambic pentameter uh, exactly. measurement in poetry or something. Yeah. 100%. And, yeah. and that's kind of how I think about it. And I, that's actually a perfect example. Like, especially like, like a Shakespearean sonnet, right? What is it? A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D, E, F, E, F, G, G, I think is what it is. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I think that's what a Shakespearean sonnet is. But I, I, I hated English. I hated writing when I was in school, hmm. but I loved that part right there. Cause I was like, Oh, now you're giving me a framework to work hmm. in. Okay. Um, and it was it was fun. So anyway, I was I was horrible in math in school, but I was really good at physics, because all of a sudden now the math has purpose. And I don't know. For me, that was a huge moment where I'm like, oh, like, I just I don't like this other stuff that doesn't have purpose for me. I can't apply it into my world, but this other stuff I can. So there's a lot of those concepts that I try to bring into the work that I do. And again, almost none of it's ever seen by anybody except for myself. But yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But <laughs> So with all that, how do you look at a project and say, I've done all these things, all these, uh, applied the frameworks and the timing and all the stuff you just described. Do you have a place in a project where you say, is this uh, creating a certain feeling or emotion and if so how do you how do you approach it and if you don't you know and you just say hey it just kind of happens organically with a good story but i'm just curious if you have any sort of method of looking at a project and saying will this be will this carry a certain emotion are we looking are we trying to label a certain emotion before we begin the project you know that kind of stuff right that's a good question you know part of again part of why i try to document our process and have a certain framework that we always work with. And so we have a good starting point, but we don't end where we start almost ever, right? So what we do is, I guess whenever I'm trying to tell these stories, I'm, I'm trying to, I am, I'm trying to write the story through. Even if it's like a simple explainer video, it's like, well, what is the story that's sort of happening here? And then I'll develop a script from it. And then I will do some really rough sketches, like, storyboard stuff because I want to know as early as possible if this is going to work or not if it's I mean we should be able to see the emotion in little simple sketches if we can't see it that way we're not going to see it when the project's final so it's like let's do as little amount of work as possible to figure out if the story is going to make people feel what we want them to and you know so so again like so what I'll do is I'll you know write the story write a, a simple script do some sketches and then I'll make a video fr from it. Right. Like I'll, I'll record my own voice kind of going through this thing. Okay. And if I can show this to somebody and if, again, if they're just like, I don't get it, whatever, then it's not right. It's not working yet. But if they see it, they're like, Oh wow. Like this already feels like we're getting really close. Like now I know we're on to something. And that's, I guess that's the other thing is that you don't, I'm, I want to ask you this too, but you know, when, whenever I'm the creator in something, it's really tough to see the emotion from it. There's, there's very few pieces that I've 
personally kind of created that I've it has moved me personally, right? Mm. Anyway, very rarely do I have a, a personal attachment or like these strong feelings in the middle of a project. I will at the beginning of almost every project, but at a certain point it's like, well, I I put all of that into this. Now it's just kind of a a runaway train in a way, right? Like we're just kind of like, well, let's just let's see what happens at this point. At, at that point though, you need other people's perspective. So you kind of you you need a team of people that you can trust to tell you whenever it's like, oh, you know what, that's just not hitting the way you want it to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. or it's like, oh, this is great, like, I don't know, because yeah, at a, at a certain point, it's just, I don't know, it's not really, you know, you can have that plan going into it, but at a certain point, you can't really feel it the same way that other people can. Sure, yeah. So at one level, you're too close to it, and mm-hmm. uh, which I totally get. And the other one is you've got to, well, like you're saying there, you've got to invite people in and get some get some feedback. And I think the lesson there that I, I'm uh, guilty of far too often is working in a silo. It's the same reason that I tell young designers, don't, don't graduate from design school or whatever your uh, pursuit is there, and then jump out on your own. It's far too, it's way too dangerous because you are going to be in a silo and you need a mentor around you on a daily basis, not checking in every week, but on a daily basis, you know, even a little bit of older, over the shoulder, uh, guidance, you know, the shoulder jockeying, as we call it, we talked about before you need that somebody yeah. to say, what are you trying to achieve here? Let you talk and then say, okay, here's, here's what I see. I, I'm not clear on that objective being presented here. You know, let's talk about how to make that a little bit better. Everybody needs that. I still yep. need it, and I've been doing this for a long time. So when you talk about putting some of your videos before somebody, to say, you know, in a rough cut, say, "Hey, does this work?" Man, that's critical. Because imagine yep. if you don't do that, and you go down another eighteen or twenty hours of work, and you never did that gut check. That's pretty foolish. Yeah. So we did a, a piece one time, and I, I'm not going to tell the full story because there's a. Um, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure if it's a, I can't name names. Let's put it that way. I'm not sure that's appropriate, but we did a, a video piece one time for a pharmaceutical client where we had patients on video and the original idea was we were going to have a pretty tight script and the patients would essentially read the script in order to fulfill some objectives that we very clearly had from the client. And uh, part of that, in the process of setting that up, I, I said, you know, can we kind of skip the script? You know, we'll cover, we'll hit those points. I promise. I was the guy on the, you know, doing the moderation or the questions mm-hmm. with the clients. And uh, we decided as a team to uh, cut most of that script out and make it a natural conversation. And I can make this a really long story, but all to say we had a mother daughter in the group. These were actual cancer patients who had survived cancer. And so in the filming of this thing, the only thing I scripted between the two of them was I said to the daughter, I said, when your mom's talking, can you come around and just come around from the back of the shadow there and just put your arms around your mom, just give her a hug. You know, we'll just let that be a moment and, you know, that's it. And um, it was powerful to put that very nicely and mildly. Mm -hmm. The mom grabbed the or reached up and and touched the daughter's arm and she said 
there's my cancer buddy because they'd gone through treatment together. And uh, I can tell you a lot more about the story, but all to say we presented the, the rough cut or a pretty, actually a pretty, we'd been in the booth getting that pretty trimmed up and we presented a, I believe it was a near final cut to the client um, over the phone because we had to, they were out of state. I couldn't keep it together in the, in the, um, in the editing booth. And I'd watch this thing 40 times. I couldn't. I mean, I, every time I'm choked up. We heard the client crying on the other side of the phone. Wow. Watching the first take of this thing. And, um, you know, I think the cynic would say, oh, there you go. You know, pharma pulling at heartstrings. Um, you know, so they can do whatever they got to do as a monstrous pharma company. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose somebody could say that. What I know from being there firsthand was that that was a real moment between yeah. those two. And I can tell you uh, the end of that story, maybe we'll talk about it some other time, but the story didn't end well, which was even more heavy, heavy emotion around this whole scenario. Uh, but um, I can tell you this much, that we really felt close to those people, that family, because of the, what we did with that video and the, the times that we got together with them afterwards. All because we struck a chord there, man. It, it, it ran deep. And it was more than just the daughter hugging the, the mother. It was way more than that um, over the, the time that we spent with them. So uh, hopefully a quick story there. But I, I tell that because I'm really proud of that work. And I'm proud of it because we didn't try to script any of it, except for me asking her to come up and just give her mom a hug. But the words that came out, naturally between them on that video, you know, individually as we filmed them and then together as they were standing there, things we never expected. And to, to play that for people who had no context for the video uh, many times since, and I'll put it this way, if you can watch that and not get teary-eyed, you are, I don't know, I, I think your soul fell out of your butt and never you know, came back. <laughs> I, you, you can't watch it without crying. Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm thrilled that I could make something like that that can just wrench somebody's heart in a world where we are just saturated with stuff. If I can, if I can uh, you know, even a guy like me who's seen so much content and, me, and produced so much media over my, over my lifetime, I'm, I'm grateful that my heart isn't hardened to that kind of emotion. So that's it. Just something I'm really, as you can tell, really proud of. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever do another video like that. Probably not. It might have been a one-off kind of a unicorn, but I'm grateful that we were able to do it. I really believe that we reached some people. And that's what it was about, was helping people understand that this, you know, and I could say this genuinely, the company that we were working with, they really cared about what we were doing. It wasn't just, you know, let's, again, we never, to be really clear, we never started that project to say we want to wrench with people's hearts. We want to, you know, just kick them in the gut emotionally. Never a criteria. It was about covering some facts that related back to the product. That was it. And if you think right. about that, nobody wants to see another video like that. Who cares? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's my story. There's a lot of... A lot of good stuff in that that I'd like to talk about. <clears throat> I think the first thing is, I think most companies actually do mean well. 
Sure. I think I think most of them do want to do good in the world around us, right? Yeah. It's it's tough because we're we're generally stuck in this marketing world where again, we go back to numbers and analytics. People want to see how many sales they got from this thing. And again, it it makes sense that they feel that way because what they what they pay for is an investment. And you want a return on that. So I don't know. It's kind of this weird, this weird world where we have good people trying to make really, I don't know, they're not necessarily pushy ads, but they're just ads, right? Just, just ads, normal ads. And I don't know, that's just like you, those projects where you could really get through and feel like you're doing more than just helping them make sales, right? Like you're you're helping tell their story. You're, you're, you're speaking to their audience more directly. Anytime that you can do those things, it feels way better to us as creatives, as, as artists. That's what we want to do, right? We don't necessarily want to make more sales. We want to connect with people. Um, yeah, there it is. That's the phrase, right? That's yeah. that's the real intention is I want to connect with you. I want to tell you something that will just make you pause for a second. That's it. Right. And and consider what we have to say because we we you know, like you said these companies mean well. And um and they uh like we talked about in the very first podcast there's things we don't want to work for certain companies, but the companies outside of those uh categories that we have worked for uh, whether it's pharma or it's uh services or or other products they do mean well, and our our goal is to do exactly what you just said: help them connect with people in a way that's really genuine. That's super hard. I'll give you an example. Yeah. Look at what uh, Bose was a client of mine years ago when I worked at Resource, and we were their um, agency of record for interactive work for a, a few years. And coming into that relationship the mistake that Bose had made for so many years was to assume that people wanted to hear the technical specs for their products. And if you look back on old Bose ads, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get, you know, extruded schematics and uh, lots of technical specs about their products. Remember what Apple did when the first iPod came out? They never gave you a schematic or extruded ver uh, view of their product. It was never about technical at all. It was about, this is going to make your life better because it's so, it's so simple. And I'm, I'm already confusing that. I think it was something about just, just going to make your life better was, was the play that they made. Nobody cared how it worked. Right. And we all got sucked into that product. Um, so as we worked with Bose, that was in the back of my mind because the iPod was, had already you know been introduced when we started that relationship with Bose. So... Uh, and it wasn't just me. I mean, I had a great team there. Dan Lemon and uh, just Steve Aganis, just great folks. Johnny Sidlow, uh, to name a few, that we help them understand that there's more to this than just tech specs. And to be honest, you know, it was a lot to take on to try to, to turn that ship uh, being Bose. But we got somewhere and starting to move them to um, something that was a little softer, a little more story a little more literally putting humans in ads and not just a picture of the product itself, of the speakers, if you will. So again, just one example from uh, my time of doing this, but uh, 
I, I can't stress it enough how important it is for us to have honest conversations with our clients and say, if this feels a little bit uh, touchy-feely, I'm asking you, client, to um, let, us, let us get to a certain point of this project. And then going back to what you said, Matt, let's, let's move this out a little bit and let some people see it before we go final on it. Um, right. We want you to see, we, we believe in what we're doing. We want you to, uh, to go down that road with us and yeah. get some feedback. If we're wrong, we're wrong. But we've been doing this a long time. I think this is on the right track. Let's take it. Let's let's show it to some folks, you know, and get that get that input. That's I've said that at least two or three times in the last two months okay. uh, to different clients where I'm like, you know what? Can you just trust me for a little bit? If I'm wrong, I'm I'll be the first to admit it. Right. But like yeah. I, I do. I think that there's something to the story that we're telling. And it's not the initial story that you asked for. I'm like, so I, I don't want you to feel like I'm not listening, but at the same time, there's something better here. And I just need you to trust me for just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, when you can really level with people like that, they're like, okay. Um, I mean, there, there are times where it's like, you know, we really can't do that. Um, and it's like, okay, I get it. Like, I, I think we're missing an opportunity here, but whatever. Um, I think... I guess we're we're not necessarily just talking about touchy feely like really like emotional pieces. I mean, we we kind of are, but like, it's emotion of any kind is important, right? Mm-hmm. I strongly believe that emotion is very important to memory. I think that there is a very very strong connection between those two things. I don't think that we could necessarily like easily control either one of those for a viewer because that would be weird if we could. <laughs> be so. I don't know, whatever. We're probably um, getting there sooner than later, but yeah. Yeah, but like, it's like, okay, well, if we want people to buy a product, if we kind of reverse engineer that a little bit, I, we don't, me personally, I don't want people to buy things impulsively. I think that that's unhealthy. So I can't really promote that kind of stuff to people. But what I think is important is, okay, if somebody buys something, it's because they've kind of gone through their own little journey of, you know, considering a product or becoming, I guess, becoming problem aware, becoming product aware and, you know, needing that product and who's going to be top of mind whenever it comes time to buying that thing. I honestly believe that's about as far as we can go as content creators. It's like, we can, we can try to help with all of those things beforehand, but we can't force people to, buy something you know we, we just can't my my wife worked at a jewelry store when we first got married and um and she's going to school and kind of working at this this jewelry store and her sales were the worst of everybody's i don't think she could hear me right now but <laughs> and she would always tell me the same thing she's like i just you know i see these other people selling so many things but i don't know how they're they're doing it and it's like, you know what, in those situations, these people are convincing other people to impulsively buy things. They're speaking to them. I mean, that's the only legitimate thing, right? If you go into a jewelry store, you don't, I don't know, if you accidentally spend a couple thousand dollars, that's a problem. But these these other um, 
her coworkers would be pushing, you know, oh, well, we have, you know, credit cards. You can get these. Um, also, the sale is going to be out soon. So they'd, they'd really hit on that scarcity thing. Okay. Whereas my wife would be like, okay, what, what would you like to see? And, <laughs> you know, she would help them in any way, but she just, she wouldn't make as many sales as everybody else. Um, but to me, I don't know, you could respect yourself a lot more when you're on that side of things, when you're just like, okay, if I can just get people to that certain point and let them decide for themselves, I don't want to convince anybody. That's just, that's when we get into gross kind of sales. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying is like, I like to try to focus on being remembered rather than necessarily trying to make the sale. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, as long as we can do something to make sure that we are remembered for, you know, the next couple of months, if they run into that thing, that problem, and they need a solution, if you can create content that's mem- memorable enough, then, you know, you'll be the first one that they go to whenever that time comes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not necessarily trying to play the short game. It's it's playing the long game. It's, you know what I mean? It's it's running running the marathon and not necessarily the sprint. And that's where a lot of people get caught up, especially when it comes to paid advertising. Because they're like, okay, well, you know, we're we're measuring all of these different things. We're measuring, like, conversions. We're measuring impressions and click-through rate. Like, we're measuring all these different things. And all of that's great, whatever. But when you're dumping even more money into just getting in front of people, it creates urgency. And, again, that urgency, it's... It, it makes sense based on the investment that they're making that they want something now. But it's the second that they turn that paid advertising off, that's it. That's the end of the campaign. Nobody's there anymore to keep purchasing. So for me, I'm like, I can't. I mean, to be completely honest, we have created some paid advertising stuff in the past. But that's that's something that I try to steer people away from. I say, you know, instead of trying to make those immediate sales, why don't you try to create long-term growth? Because that's the kind of stuff that, you know, can snowball into something big later on. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, these paid ads are like a small explosion real quick. And then all of a sudden you turn it off and then it's done. They're depending on those. I don't know. They, they rely on that paid advertising. Well, what the hell happens whenever Facebook decides we're not doing paid advertising anymore? They're, they're done. They're done as a company because yeah. they relied so heavily on that. Yeah. So... The, this know. is this is the company that what did they lose twenty five percent of their value last week, in one day, right? So um, something like that. It was pretty uh, pretty stark numbers, <sighs> but uh, billions of dollars. So yeah, and uh, I, I I've never dabbled in paid advertising. I feel like it's something we could probably keep talking about. Uh, maybe even uh, bring somebody in to uh, maybe yeah. give us a, a better perspective of it. I, I I know a guy. We'll see if that yeah. works out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it is a balance, right? I don't want to say that sure. numbers aren't important because they are. They they help us create that framework. But ultimately, it comes down to that story and that feeling that we can help people have. And I guess, I, guess, I don't want to keep going here, but like think even about like politics. Nobody likes political ads. Nobody does. And it's because they make us feel bad. Um. They make us, I don't know, they just, they're, they're negative, right? For the most part. And it's like, okay, well, they just, they don't really help 
the world necessarily. Yeah, but you most of the time, but you remember some of these guys. You do. That's the that's the thing. I, I yeah, agree with and, you, by the way, but I just yeah. I detest those ads. But you remembered some yeah. of those names, unfortunately. For sure. So I don't know it. it but it, it, I guess it is the same. It's, it's, it is having those feelings. I guess I'm saying for me on a personal level, it's like, ooh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make people feel bad. Um, that doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Again, as, as an artist, as a, a creative, we want to make people feel good in some way. I mean, obviously, like, you know, sharing a story about uh, a, a mother having cancer, it's not necessarily going to make people feel good. But at least having people relate to the story that you're telling is, I don't know, to me, one of the, one of the most rewarding things. There, yeah. there was a, so we did a short film uh, a couple years ago, and this was kind of my experiment into, I want to tell the story that I have. And, um, and basically, you know, in 2018, my wife and I had a daughter and we knew within, you know, a couple of seconds that something was wrong. And we knew that the time with her was going to be incredibly short. And we ended up having 10 days with her before she passed. And I, that, that whole experience, you know, I, I say it in just a few words, but that whole experience felt like it lasted for years and years and years. Hmm. I, me and my wife, we still talk about you know, oh, remember like day eight, we did like these different things. And it, it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily the worst thing for us personally, because it, it brought us closer in a lot of ways. It brought our whole family closer. But it, it, I don't, there, there's so many aspects that was just so difficult to explain to people. And a lot of people, they... They didn't want to talk to either one of us directly about what what was going on. They didn't want to ask us questions because they're like, oh, we don't want to like remind them that they lost their daughter. Like we would have forgotten at any point in the last, you know, three years. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, So for me, I was like, you know what? I have a story to tell and I, I need people to understand at least a little bit of what this is like going through this stuff. And. You know, it just so happened that it was the summer of 2019 where I was like, oh, shit, we don't have any business coming in right now because it's slow time. Like, what do we want to do? We got to do something. We can't just sit here and do nothing. Right. And I was like, you know what? We never really tell more emotional stories. And I want to show people that we can. And I was like, let's take the next like couple years just on and off. We'll work on this film and we'll see. I don't know. We'll just see, we'll see how it turns out. And like I was, like I was saying, like, this is probably the only time where in the middle of creating something, it's brought me to tears. Hmm. Right. Obviously. Cause it's so personal. Sure. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know if it was awkward for the team, <laughs> but it was like, okay, we're in the middle of watching it together. I'm like, all right, I need, I need a break. Just let's take a break, you know? Um, but anyway, it, we, we kept working on it and we ended up finishing it in about two and a half months instead of the, two and a half years that I was expecting it to take because I don't know we started seeing that like oh man there's one we're telling a story that we've never told before and this is really like hitting it's hitting to all of us really personally mm-hmm. 
And like, we just, we couldn't help but work on that, right? It just, it became, I don't know, a healthy addiction, I suppose, of like, oh man, like we need to keep going with this. And I don't know, and basically to, to finish that, it was, I don't know, I guess I, I saw it as, uh, not necessarily a gift to everyone else, but it was just me seeking connection with other people. I wanted them to understand that, like, you know, once you do lose somebody, there's so many other components that you have to, like, work through. Like, personally, you have to work through your own emotions. You have to help, you know, when you have kids at that time, you have to help them through this brand new thing that they can't comprehend. Um, but you still have to, like, find hope in tragedy. And that's that's all I wanted to say. Right. Is that like we can still have hope even when things are the worst. It's one of those powerful words in the entire powerful concepts, if not the most powerful concept in life is hope. Absolutely. It's if if we lose that, then we lose everything. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> because tragedies will happen to every person in the world at some point in their lives. So to yeah. And to uh, go back to where we started with this conversation you tell me how to put some math around the idea of hope. And I'm going right. to tell you that's going to be a challenge. Right. But what you just described and the story that I described are examples of uh, the fact is that you can't necessarily apply formulas and frameworks to those kinds of situations. Right. But out of that situation comes a connection with people that, you know, you can put a measurement to, um, given the tools that we have now, but getting into it and, and, um, and the results of that thing as you're moving through it and finishing that work, it's pretty hard to put, put math to that stuff. You have to kind of let it play um, and, and, and mold and form. You know, like you said, you guys were so, you got excited about telling, if I'm hearing you correctly, a, a very tragic story. Yeah. Um, isn't that interesting? You know, that you realize you, there was something there that you, you, you wanted, you needed to tell once you got yeah. started with it. So yeah, not, not a lot of math around that, but, but what a beautiful outcome. Cause you know, Matt, that your story touched somebody and if it touches one, it's enough, but I'm yeah. quite sure that whatever you made, uh, touched a lot more people than one. So I, I like to think so. Um, yeah, you know, it becomes a thing where any time that I hear about anyone else with like that loses a child, I send this video over to them. Not as a yep. promotional thing, but it's like hey, exactly, exactly made this thing that maybe you can relate to in some way. Yeah, and I don't. To me, it's like those are the people that I that I made this for, and, and that's it's it's a piece that can make a lot of people cry, and it has made a lot of people cry. <laughs> but um, ultimately, it is. It's about that that hope. Like I, I rather than trying to make people feel down, like it. I want them to, to feel that hope. But anyway, yeah, I, I could talk about that all day. So, <laughs> um, it's good stuff. So f final thoughts, Dylan, on does emotion matter? Well, I asked the question because as you can probably guess, I am a, a big fan of emotion. And I think most importantly, I'm a fan of finding what you said a few minutes ago, the balance in what we're doing, a balance between coming into a project with, frameworks and calculations and expectations and communicating those things clearly with your client and yet 
probably what we haven't talked about explicitly is saying to the client, part of this project is to connect with people in a way that stirs up some feelings. And so emotion will be part of this. And we don't have a perfect way to communicate how exactly that's going to work. But let's get to the story that we need to tell. And in doing that and being honest about it, I think we're going to reach that uh, level of emotion, bring out some feelings that are going to just, if anything, add value on top of the calculated communication stuff that we're trying to figure out. And uh, if all that works, we're going to have something that's way more valuable than just communicating objectives, which we're so good at, hopefully. Um, But yeah, something way more important to the world than just um, talking about the benefit of this particular service or or object. Right. How about you? Final thoughts? I would say that we can't have feelings without story, right? I, I don't think that those things can exist separately. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could tell a story. It's not very emotional. But um, to me, those things, they go together um, always. So it's, you know, if you do want to create those feelings, there there has to be a good story there. And the the best stories that we have are not necessarily made up ones. They're ones that exist already in the world so it's you know that the ceo of the company that you're doing a video for creating a design for there's a story about something there it's not really for you to make up it's for you to i don't know mine or uncover Mm -hmm. in some cases yeah and those those stories are always more impactful than the ones where it's like you know, just talking about your high level, like, you know, we, uh, synergy and, uh, <laughs> innovation. Yeah. <laughs> um, stuff like that. Like whatever you can make those videos if you want. And it, it might convince people to buy things, but to me, it makes a lot more sense to just start at the telling of a story. We can't promise how many sales are going to be made from something, but what we can promise is that we can make something that people can relate to and have a much more, I don't know, meaningful connection with yeah. than, you know, just some of that stuff, you know? They'll remember it. Right. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. Same. Thanks, right. everyone, you, for bye. listening. Appreciate it. Love you, too. See you next week. Bye, 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 bye. The Command Z Show is Matt Vojak and Dylan Mingus. Have a question you want us to discuss? Send us a message at cmdz.show. And while you're at it, we'd love a quick review on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.